No, let's uh, let's pedal it back. We got to keep the the crazy tradition. So go ahead and open us up today, Brian, with uh, another bad good idea. Okay, another bad a good idea. And I- I'm sorry, I don't want to like I'm not trying to like crap on anybody with pellet grill, but oh, what if, what if, what if pellet grills had an advanced mode? <laughs> Where? <laughs> hold on, wait for it, wait for it. Um, Oh every every like 30 to 45 minutes the temperature dropped and you couldn't change it on your phone you actually had to go out and like manually load pellets oh and uh, and adjust the temp <laughs> on the dial <laughs> oh it's not a bad idea <laughs> or or or, idea. or you know if you buy one like if you get one with the advanced mode you got to pass the advanced like advanced cooks before you can use the easy so like, you actually the... have to do a test in order <laughs> To buy, oh my god! No, 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 not to buy it. No, no, but no. I'm saying, I'm saying, like, like it comes the way, and you have to do like three cooks, doing it like that way, where you have to go out and adjust every 45 minutes so, in order to get the mode that lets you just cook at the same temp the entire time. So you basically get like, uh, what is it like? Uh, you have to prove yourself, right? That's 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 not bad. That's not bad. You're gonna have a challenge mode on on your pellet cooker. Yeah, well, and then you could set it different levels of challenge. So you could say like, "Oh, like I want to feel like what it's cooking on like a 500." So you you check your your wood every 45 minutes to an hour. Oh, I want to feel like what it's cooking on like a, a 94 gallon. So you check your wood every 15 to 20 minutes. minutes. Uh, I, I I could see that. Hey, Charlie, yeah, get no sleep. Yeah, none at all. Like how you really cook. But let me do my spiel. Hey guys, welcome to This Week in Barbecue. I am your host, Rashid Phillips, and joining me is my co-host, Brian. And Brian is the owner and operator of Secret Pint BBQ. Get used to hearing his voice and hopefully, wish upon a star, you get to see his lovely face and amazing beard one day. This Week in Barbecue is the barbecue-focused podcast that brings you the latest, the greatest, the good, the bad, the ugly, and everything between in the world of barbecue. We answer your questions, we share a few laughs, and every once in a while we have a couple of drinks. What do you got for us today, Brian? Well, well first off, I feel like we got a question last week, yeah. and I answered it, but you didn't answer <laughs> there's, it. There's a lot of anger in that <laughs> response you had there. <laughs> no, no, it's it's my fault because I uh, I get long-winded sometimes, and I just I just went off on the, uh, a, I espouse too much. Yeah. So, uh, okay, how did you get into barbecue? Ah, that's a good question. How did I get into barbecue? Um, hmm. um, I get. I grew up around it, uh, not necessarily the sense of like the traditional American style barbecue. You know, I, I just we grew up around open fire cooking. That's that's my wheelhouse. Which, that's my get down. I, I think live fire cooking. You can just kind of encompass it. Yeah, I, I agreed, and that's you know for me it was. Uh, there wasn't a reverse smoker or uh, you know a five hundred a thousand gallon. It was a a split barrel drum, you know, little uh, hinge, or it was digging a hole in the ground and building up a good fire in embers and skewering red snapper to line across or pinning them to to um, to palm leaves and just letting them sort of slow go. That was sort of my introductory to it. It wasn't anything that was taught. That was just, hey, that's how dinner's made. Um, there was definitely no insight into it as far as making it a living, making it a job. It was just survival. Uh, and I got, I really got into it 
um, in like 2010, I had a job I was doing uh, marketing for uh, this tech company. And they had like a holiday party. And I brought uh, a smoked turkey. I, I, I made a smoked turkey on like, you know, the 1999 um, Walmart season one grill. You know what I'm talking about with the horrible spinning adjustment ordeal and I made the bird there and I'd forgotten just how much I enjoyed doing that I'd always cooked but I forgot that process and modding it and it just kept going and going and going so hopefully that answers the question so uh so 2010 but like when did you like decide is like oh hey I want to try and serve this to people oh like business business uh, paperwork for PBC filed in 2016. Uh, I was doing R&D stuff since like 2014, just getting the flavors and what have you, right? Giving it out to first responders, going to police stations, going to um, uh, firehouses because those guys can throw away some food, you know? But yeah, that's when it really, it really, really like became an actual business business where I was focused on trying to not just cook it a little bit better, but be better all the way around and, you know, put my 10,000 hours in and just keep driving into practice. Um, yeah, back then. All right, good. I yeah. want to make sure we got that answer. I, I can see that. And we had another answer from our YouTube. So you guys watching me here, you'll see me turn this way because I'm also on the old YouTubes. Uh, if you're not subscribed, please do. You get to sadly see more of this. Um, but... He had asked, what do I like about my Shirley and would I do anything different? Uh, for those of you who aren't familiar, when he rec uh, references my Shirley, he's talking about my main gal, uh, Penny. Penny is my reverse flow 500 uh, gallon smoker that was made by Shirley Fabrication. Shout out to Tyler, uh, Paul, the whole crew, Ross. Appreciate you guys so much. I, I I love my rigs. Um, Penny was my first. I've got Phoebe, my second. Um, I Phoebe is my Swiss Army knife. Phoebe's got a Santa Maria on it. I designed the firebox to be inverted and insulated so that I can use it as a pizza oven. Um, it's got a vertical smoker on it. It's got a 175-gallon um, reverse flow interior chamber, three shells. I can do rotisserie on it. You put... Me and Phoebe, anywhere in the world, I can cook anything on, on, on Phoebe. There's not a thing I'll change. On Penny, Penny has the same size firebox as one of my other 500s, and she's designed a little different. Uh, if I had to change something on Penny, I would have changed the fact that it's in, she's not fully insulated for the firebox. Would have liked that, but the reason why I didn't do that at the time of the design was I wanted the griddle cooktop to be functional. So on top of Penny, there's a lid that I can lift up and hinge and I can set my cast irons on there to like do eggs or steaks. I think Brownie Bash Pontoon last year actually made the the morning crew at Pontoon uh, brisket uh, egg burritos on the... Okay, <laughs> yeah. I made it right then and there. So that's how I'd switch things up. I'm trying to see if I can... Oh, hey, well, uh, if you're not job. familiar with Shirley Fabrication, follow their YouTube. Oh, Paul, Paul, Paul gives tours, and I, I love his intro. <laughs> uh, I don't. 
It's uh, Shirley Fabrication, Tuscaloosa, Alabama. Alabama. <laughs> uh, yeah. It's great. Uh, one of my favorite videos ever was him <laughs> when they, the first straight offset he built. Yeah. And he just didn't know what to do with it. Like, you could see he's like, this is not what I build. I have yeah. no idea. No he was, like, confused as to why anybody would want a cooker that way. And it's it's one of the greatest videos, like, barbecue cooker videos I've ever seen on YouTube. No, the, the guys over at Shirley are amazing, man. A shout, shout out once again. Ross, if you're looking for a rig... And if you've seen Penny, if you've seen Phoebe, or if you want design ideas, just hit him up, hit up Ross and say, hey, she'd sent me, I want the Penny or I want the Phoebe, and he'll know exactly what you mean. Hey, Smokey, how you doing, brother? Um, they're, they're just great guys, and literally some of the hardest working guys putting out smokers today. They're right up there with, you know, Eminem BBQ Co., with uh, Millscale, AJ Customs, Primitive, well, well crafted machines, guys. Hmm. They're they're a hell of a welders. Oh my gosh, yeah. stack of dimes. I've never seen well smoother. It's it's ridiculous what they do. You would th- people think they th- that they have machines welded for them. Like no, no, no. Seen these guys up close. Their hands are that steady. They're just that good. And is Paul still doing his full time job? Paul is still like, doing that, his full time job. That's what a lot of people don't know. Paul is still working at the um, refinery, I believe. That's mm. insane. So, uh, first bit of news. I'll start on this one. Shout out to uh, the Sultan of Swine, uh, Mr. Uh, Rodney Scott himself, for opening up another location, one time for Rodney. And on top of that, he's also released some new rubs as well. So, he's got new rubs, new location. If I'm not mistaken, Rodney's probably in Chicago right now for Windy City. Yeah, I, I was actually surprised this the first state to get a second location is Alabama. I would I would have yeah. thought South Carolina. Well, yeah, yeah, I would have. Well, 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 he's doing well now. He wouldn't do uh, South Carolina. I know he's doing that other project in um, wow. Tennessee. Get with uh, Eric, this country big country musician. They're oh, opening up a it, six story. Uh, is it Eric Church? Yes. Okay. Eric Church. I don't. If you guys can tell, I'm obviously not from over. Eric Church and uh, the, the 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 man himself, Mr. Rodney Scott, are opening up a six floor restaurant, bar, music venue. I was like, I'm there. Whenever whenever it happens, man, I'm there. No, I, I figured he would have opened something in Columbia, kind of on the other side of the state, because like uh, that that side of the state really doesn't have that much of a whole hog. So no, no, definitely not, definitely. Um, but hey, hey, everybody, hey, Lacey. Um, Hey, Queen, thank you guys. If you've got questions here on the old Instagrammies or on the YouTube, drop them in the comments and we're going to be fielding them. But that was my little uh, touch of news to start us off. I got a little bit more. What do you got going for us, Brian? So Koi Barbecue is currently working on their brick-and-mortar location outside of Houston. Mm -hmm. And while they're doing that, they've been doing this uh, backyard barbecue experience. So last month they had interstellar barbecue for like a dinner where they do more kind of a, they're using smoke to do like more focused dishes and it's like a more intimate experience. So this month they're going to be doing it with Leroy and Lewis out of Austin. So it's going to be at at Koi barbecues brick and mortar location. Tickets go on sale tomorrow august 5th there's only 50 it's a yeah, yeah tomorrow august 5th, yeah. yeah so if this goes up after then 
Sorry if it's already sold out, but uh, so I'll, it's a basically what he's saying is hurry up, sheet, and uh, get this video and uh, recording out as soon yeah. as possible. So yeah, it's a fifty seat uh, dinner with uh, oh, okay. that they're doing with uh, Leroy and Lewis, and so they'll be doing that I think once a month until they open. So follow their page and be on the lookout for when they announce those kind of events. And we're going to have the link in the bio because uh, Brian's going to send it to me and I'm going to. Well, they don't, they don't, they haven't even posted a link yet. Oh, really? They're not posting it until tomorrow. Okay. Well, so yeah, I can, I can, I'll link you to their Instagram story about the, uh, about the event. Perfect. And I, before I, we get into one more piece of news, I'm doing this off camera on both of the cameras. Remember, <laughs> remember when I told you last okay. week that someone no, got me. Hopefully, no one know, saw that. No, no, I, I made sure it wasn't on any cameras. That turtle, I had turtles rub. What does it smell like, Brian? Tell the people, what does it smell like? Uh, okay, so I smell, it kind of does smell like ramen mix. <laughs> I smell, I smell a little bit of Lowry's. I think that's what it is, but it's probably too much. Yeah, it's it's a little bit of Lowry's and uh, oodles and noodles chicken flavoring. Basically, a a, a fifteen sixteen dollar oh. bottle. Oh, there is one ingredient on here that makes so much more sense. What is it? Uh, like I can't say it because then people might figure it out. Okay. Yeah, but right. uh, honestly, when like. I'll tell you after the episode, and then you'll. Yeah, it tastes like it though. Yeah. A little different, but it tastes just like. No, I, I know it's not. It's not straight Lowry's. There's something else in there that makes more sense of why it tastes like ramen. Hey, D nice. How you doing? Or Denise? Uh, yeah, I. I would not put that on my brisket. I wouldn't put that on anything. <laughs> That's really salty too. Yes, it is. That is more of like a brine liquid or a brine powder than uh any type of actual uh like seasoning like that is extremely strong so the first time i got that we did a side-by-side cook and it just came out so salty yeah i figured like you like i would say you put a base coat of pepper on before you and then use this in instead of salt but like you need to use that so sparingly it's so strong i'm looking at the ingredients and there's like there's actually no pepper, unless it's in spices, which is, let's see, one, two, okay, I, I shouldn't get, like, yeah. let's just say it's, like, six or seven down. <laughs> um, I can't give an exact number again, because people yeah, might figure, people this gonna figure this out. I tell, we're trying to be uh, BC, which is barbecue correct here, ladies and gentlemen. It's a very tight community, and we don't yeah, shun I mean, anybody. Yeah, there's, there's two ingredients, and I'll, I'll tell you about them afterwards on why it tastes like ramen mix. Yeah, it it's legitimately a sixteen dollar bottle of ramen. Is that a caramel? <laughs> pops is asking, is that a caramel frappa quad? No, pops, it's a it's a uh, macchiato. Uh, what, what what pops is trying to get at, if you guys aren't aware, uh, he's jumping ahead, but I'll go ahead and announce his news now. Pops had a giant billboard. Pops, aka Mr. Kevin Bloodsoe, had a giant billboard in Penn Station in Penn Square, I believe. No, was, was it a Times Square? It was. I thought. It, he, he, I think it was Times Square, but he tagged a Penn Square. Pops, okay. like if you're in there, let me know where it was exactly. But he has a giant billboard on both corners showing Amazon's top-selling book, and not just cookbook, but book. And it's his. They've got his mug plastered five stories across for people to see, and that's just an amazing uh, feat there. So nothing but 
deep, deep congratulations to you for that one. Oh, it is. He did tag Penn Station. Yeah, so it was Penn Station. That's what I saw it as. But, yeah, that's uh, that's my bad. I just I just assumed it was Times Square. I thought it was too. You know, maybe that's the next up. Hey, Queen NY. Uh, would you make your brownies for someone's birthday? Ah, uh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I don't. I don't know. Everyone wants me to make my brownies. The cornbread. That cornbread I'm gonna show was that that hit. What you guys didn't see was after they hit yell cut. Um, Melissa actually took the extras that I made and went to her uh, her trailer and just demolished them. So you know that makes me feel good. And those drop biscuits. <clears throat> yeah, I make pretty good. I got I got a couple of uh, a couple of tricks and stuff that I don't put out there all the time. Um, but I guess let's roll into uh, unless you've got another piece of news you want to share now. Yeah, or save I, it. Yeah, I got one. And so, so I, I've been. Whenever I do news, I've been mostly focusing on Texas, so it's only fitting that we actually do something in Atlanta. Yeah, you know, because we're so close here in Atlanta. So uh, Fox Brothers and Takiera Del Sol are doing their annual Hatch Chili Fest for Hogs for a Cause on August 21st. Tickets are on sale now. They're still general admission, VIP, and drink tickets. And they're uh, bringing in people from out of town, so they'll have Blue Oak Barbecue from New Orleans joining them. Okay. Um, so that should be a pretty fun event. So all centered around hatch chilies that they fly in from New Mexico and, and roast before the event. Mm, okay. And so they'll build, they'll build recipes around that. Right on, right on. Good deal. Uh, I guess we'll definitely have to try to make an attendance there. Um, I had a question that I think we should both, um, answer and it just sort of threw me off here a little bit because I didn't, I did not see that coming. Oh, goodness, where did it go? Where did it go? It was a good question too, but this is gonna be great for the podcast. It is gonna be great for the podcast. <laughs> hey, this is why we do this stuff live, and I'll cut it up and edit it later, so I seem like a pro. That's a lie. I'm actually just gonna leave it all the same because you guys get the raw truth of it. But Denise asked about to tackle ribs for family, and wanted to ask. What makes the biggest difference in ribs being tender? Brining or slow, not sure, or slow long baking or boiling? First off, we don't boil ribs here. Hey, there's nothing wrong with... I'm not doing this with you. Hey, hey, I'm look, not doing look, this man, with you my, today. My, oh, gosh, one man. of my favorite rib spots, they don't call themselves barbecue. They call themselves a rib joint. They boil the ribs and finish them on the grill. And they're pretty tasty. We don't boil ribs. I, I don't boil ribs. I don't boil ribs. That's why I said I, I, we. Yeah, we don't boil we ribs. Don't boil. But I'm just, I'm just saying, like, I've had good ribs that have been boiled. I just can't do it. No, no, I would never do it. No, you're not, not touching that. So, I mean, there are plenty of oven recipes to get really tender ribs. This uh, is true. Like, I think Alton Brown has a really good one. <laughs> Um, yeah okay <laughs> there's a story behind that we're not saying uh, we're, we're not, not saying, saying anything but um, we're being we're being bc barbecue correct so there's there are a couple really good uh good recipes for uh oven ribs okay uh i mean okay so i think there's a stigma against temping ribs i don't see why i'll temp ribs no i, I temp ribs all the time and because i i think uh, especially with spare ribs uh, like full spares, they uh, 
people are like when they start to bend, they're done. That's not true. They can like give like almost like a false bend. That's that is true. <laughs> but I but when I I think once you've cooked enough ribs, you know when it's when it's just that first bottom membrane um, yeah. going. And side note, this is why we pull the membrane off. I leave my membrane on. This is but but I, but I also flip so it gets and, heat directly on the a membrane and cooks see, the membrane more. See, this is what you get, ladies and gentlemen. Just the pure honest truth. We cook alike, but so different, all at the exact same time. I don't flip my ribs. They shimmy, they dance, but they don't flip. They may rotate from hot spots and and so forth. More like a musical chairs and flip. Okay, well, okay. So on baby backs, I do pull the membrane. On on spares, I don't. I pull on everything. I actually just got a case of babies that I got. I've got some content for this uh, brand that reached out. I got to create um, for them. So they, they sent me a case of them. And I'll, I'm going to be pulling the membranes on all of them. That's just what I, even on my beef ribs, um, I, I pull them. And it, that for people wondering, like, it's okay to pull the membranes. It's okay to leave them on. Whatever works. I, I leave I leave them on them. I don't encourage people to eat them, but I leave them on the yes. beef. Uh, yeah, I, I leave them on the. Then beef. why leave them on? I leave them on the beef ribs because the way, like especially the the three bone dino ribs, you yeah. kind of have to because they'll fall apart if you don't. No. Like the bone will drop completely. Like that middle bone will just drop out. You can, if need be, you can trust. Like I'm I'm in a. If you guys have been following, seeing the stuff, I've been in a suspending a lot of the meats cooking lately. So I'm trusting damn near everything. I'm trusting the birds, trusting lamb, steaks, ribs. Everything's getting tied up. Yeah, Shibari all over the place. It's, it's one less step for me to do. <laughs> I'm trying to practice, trying to hone my skills, put those uh, Boy Scout not tying skills to work, see if I'm still rusty or not. Um, so with ribs, uh, okay, so followed. There, there are plenty of good YouTube oven rib recipes. Yes, yes, there are. Um, the big thing is, like, depending on what, what ribs you do, like, so say full spares and then say you're going to temp them. In order to get, you don't want them to fall completely off the bone. No, that is not good. But you want them to be tender, so you want to pull them in the 190 to 195 range. That's that's kind of where I feel that they'll carry over a little bit, and they'll give you a good bite through, and they'll be tender. And if you want to try, like if you took like and just pulled the meat off the bone, Mm -hmm. you could do it, but it's not going to fall off the bone. Where if you cook them to like. 200 and beyond it's just, it just gonna slides fall off, off yeah and, and it's gotta have bite through and if you want more of the the rodney scott with a little bit of tension in the bite pull yes. them pull them about 180 185 and let that carry over hit it i i dig i the i think one of the best compliments i've gotten from a fellow cure came from you you're like these were one of the best set of ribs um i ever made and i that was the one i I did. I switched up my mop sauce to a uh, a Rodney uh, style mop sauce, and I've been strolling with that ever since. Mind you, though, I still haven't made a ton of ribs since then. I think I made a couple of racks, but yeah, those are so. Cool. I mean, that Rodney Scott is like some of my favorite ribs. Period. Salt, like, the salt and the swine, man, which yeah. is hilarious because people come to town and like, I'm gonna go buy Rodney's. What do I get? I always tell them get the smoked wings. Smoked wings and the smoked, the smoked wing. wings and ribs. Yeah, those and are maybe monsters. even the steak sandwich. I think the steak sandwich is kind of a like a low key item. It, yeah, it is. It is. It is a sleeper. It is a sleeper. Uh, Who? So, so I think someone got on me because I said we don't boil ribs. We don't. It's, I just. I just can't. I mean, I, I guess. Shout I'm out to Fat Mats. Fat Mats, and, and like they said, they're a rib joint. Not a barbecue joint, so and they will tell you that to your face. It's like we're not a barbecue joint. We're a rib joint. It's completely different 
Some people, someone said, uh, my folks sometimes boil ribs to get the impurities and extra fat, uh, but some don't. No, I, I and this is all jokes. And I, oh, thank you, girl, for having. I appreciate it. Um, we're not knocking anyone for doing anything. However, you do it. The whole point of this is learning. You've got to go through everything. You know, from brining your briskets and coke to brining your bus, all that. You, you go through whatever you go through to get to a, a point that you enjoy and a technique that works for you. As long as you're happy with that end result, go to town. The boiling pork thing, I like. If you see a lot of recipes and like for Chinese like pork belly and stuff, they boil the pork before they're doing a lot of the other parts of the recipe to render a little bit of fat and boil. I, I've never heard boiling off the impurities, but like it's it's something that like other cultures do. It's not yeah. like it's not like a, a, it's a weird thing. thing. Like black households, we wash our rice and wash our chicken. Just happens. It's one of those things. Like, uh, you like, should you should wash your rice. You should wash your, but a lot of people don't wash their rice. You'd be surprised how many people don't know. They're like, what do you mean you wash your rice? Like with soap? No, you rinse that bad boy till it's nice and clear. You get out all the bad grains. I used to watch my grandma sit on the stoop in Jamaica with a giant bowl, f- you know, uh, searching through all the grains, getting out all the dead ones because we had our own uh, uh, source, and we just wash them. And you can always tell quality rice versus crappy rice at how white it is how much uh silt and starch comes off when you wash it like batsmati and jasmine and thai jasmine beautiful fragrant rices that one or two rinses done not like your cheap you know bag walmart you're washing that thing for five ten minutes and it's still cloudy trying to get it going but that's just me uh those I mean, my rice choices. I mean, something I started doing with grits is I'll pre-soak the grits overnight and let oh, the yeah. uh, let the uh, the bad stuff float to the top and, and skim that out. People don't know about that trick. Now you guys just got one. You guys just got a little one there. Um, this one came from Lacey. Uh, how early do people need to get to the pop-ups to make sure we get a plate before? <laughs> 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 Uh, um, yours, is a little, yours is a little different than mine. Uh, uh, don't, don't no one show up to mine, man. I pay all those people. They're actors. <laughs> They're just extras. I got them all from Walking Dead sets. <laughs> you got some deep state actors. <laughs> I pay very well. Um, very no. Well. So for mine, it depends on which uh, venue I'm doing at. Usually 15 minutes is pretty good. Frick, I wish I could do that. Yeah, like, well, the anniversary one was... Different. If you weren't in line by like one fifteen, there was a chance you didn't get food. Yeah. Um, so for me, um, in the most modest and humblest of ways, because it is very different. And I was I. The thing is, I started amassing crowds before the show too. But when I first started, I didn't. You know, I, I would just get whatever's there. Rarely would I get a ton of people coming out. But after like a couple of months, they started realizing, and then I. You know, PBC became a name like, oh, you don't have the barbecue guy here? We don't have them there? So started getting more invites and building a following. Shout out to Eventide was where I first started getting a really, really big crowd. Um, but now for my events, uh, if I say what the last one was two weeks ago? Yeah, two, three weeks ago. Uh, it was it was longer than that. No, it was in July because her birthday was July 13th. Uh, and so we July did the 16th. 16th. So, so maybe, yeah, maybe three weeks yeah, ago. Yeah, three weeks. It was three weeks. Uh, Flyer said 1 p.m. Uh, we had people literally sitting with a chair at like 1045. 
Was that, was that when Kevin showed up? That, that's when Kevin showed up. He was the first one. Literally two minutes later, like 24 more people came after him, and they just kept coming. Uh, so, when people see that first person line up, all bets are off. Yeah, so at like 10.45 was the first. 10.46, we had 25 people. By the time we opened, we just had a full long. It was it was long. I mean, it, it depends on what joint you're going to. There's certain sure. spots in Texas that if you're not there by like 10 o'clock – or, or you know, like Probably Frank, really, yeah. Franklin, you have to be there way before that. Franklin, I, you just don't go to sleep. Right. Yeah. You're there. You're there at 6 a.m. For I don't know what even snow. Like the first time I went to snow, I got there at 6 a.m. But that was pre Netflix, pre pandemic. I don't even know. I feel, like, I feel like you've got to be there earlier. Now is one of those times where you got to use your Pitmaster Pass. You just got you, to. Well, I think you got to be there by midnight. I think it's like almost like a Black Friday thing now. For Black Friday <laughs> deal. <laughs> there's, but there's no deals. No, no. You're just get your. The deal is you got a plate and you should be happy about it. I mean, they do give you free beer, but like. That's just true. Yeah. Well, so. which is also, we know why, but we're going to leave that out of here. We'll leave that. We're, we can't expose all the secrets. We'd love to have you come do a barbecue seminar in Nashville. Why do you guys want me to in Nashville? I, I can barely get a seminar going in Georgia. I don't need to be embarrassed across multiple states. Uh, just just email him and he'll uh, yeah he'll send, be right there. Yeah, shoot an, shoot an email. Um, that's that's why I have someone answer emails for me because Lord knows I can't do it. <laughs> um, let's see here. So that was that question. I feel like. That went on for a little, but we do have a, there was one that I wanted us both to answer uh, that came in. And I really appreciate you guys so much for uh, submitting these questions. It's really, really cool. Uh, There's always so many of them that I don't always get to go through all of them, but it's, it's, it's nice. Now this one got me, uh, this is from Bruised Bruise, who oftentimes um, submits questions and always comments and is always listening, so I appreciate that. I want to make sure I answered his question. He said, I've got too many tomatoes growing this season. Tired of pasta and salsa. What do you recommend? BLT? <laughs> well, I mean, okay. No, uh, tomato go. okra stew. Uh, I mean, there's there's bunch of different ways i mean like so i i have family in south carolina and they'll make a, a tomato pie it's not my thing i'm yeah. not i'm not huge in tomatoes but like i mean i like during tomato season i like to get at least one blt because like yeah. kenji lopez alt he says a blt is not a bacon sandwich it's a tomato Maybe sandwich because yeah, the tomato is supposed to be the star right and then and also salt your tomatoes just Salt your tomatoes before when you put them on a sandwich. Yeah. Uh, people are in here like you can donate them. Um, Mexican beef stew. I was thinking of dehydrating them and make yourself some sun-dried tomatoes and just hang on to those. Brother, bruised. The way these prices for everything is going, it's skyrocketing, right? So hang on to your extras because you may never know. May end up having to barter with neighbors one day. Um but do some sun dries if you can. Make jar jar sauce. Make actual pasta sauce and start jarring it. You can make some gazpacho. You know, do a nice uh, grilled cheese and tomato soup. Like that requires a fair amount of it as well. Um, and I'd like the idea of donating if it's if it's that absorbent. If it's like beyond the amount you can actually handle, donate them. Make a giant uh, 
batch of sauces or make some meals and soups and drop them off at your local fire department or police department. They'll be eternally grateful, you know? Well, yeah, I don't know where um, where they live, but, like, we have a program in Georgia, or Atlanta, the free fridge program. Yeah, yeah. Where you can donate them to, like, community fridges yeah. that will go to uh, people that are that need fresh produce. Your local church as well would gladly take that. That soup kitchen at the church will take it. So those are some options for you, man. Um, ooh, I like this question. Good one, uh, JP of all trades. I'm going to shoot this one to you first because I didn't want to answer it first. What constitutes as a pit master and when can you call yourself one? <laughs> I don't like the term pit master. Uh, uh, now I, you've got to tell him why. Okay. So if you're familiar with Malcolm Gladwell, uh, was it which which book is it that he talks about the 10,000 hour rule? Um, it's not, that is why it's, it's not Blink. Um, you go on. I'll, I'll chime in with right, that. Okay. So the idea is that if you invest 10,000 hours into anything you will become a master at it outliers was the book outliers okay that's like outliers. great book. yeah great book um which is it's a little absurd if you think about it like if, if i mean what's the difference between you investing five thousand hours and ten thousand hours like it's it's still an extraordinary amount of time it is, it is. I, I think in order to really be call yourself a pit master and i don't like the term I think you need to be someone – I think it should be reserved for people like Rodney Scott and Toots, Miss Tootsie. Yeah, Miss Tootsie. Um, earned and deserved. Earned and deserved, but they're also keeping a tradition. Like, they are cooking on pits. Mm-hmm. Like, I know we everybody calls, like, a smoker their pit or whatever, but, like – if you've ever been to Snow's or or Rodney Scott's or mm-hmm. even the Scott's Barbecue, yeah, the, the original, location. and you've stood next to one of those burn barrels or like one of those burn pits and you're shoveling those coals and those things are out putting 400, 500 degree heat mm-hmm. and you're, you're like you're cooking based on feel. You're not using any temperature gauges. Mm-hmm. That's when I think you can call yourself a pit master. Like I, I've cooked a lot and I don't. I, I'm. I believe I'm so far away from even being able to earn that thing. I'm just a barbecue cook. Mm-hmm. That's the way I look at it. I dig that. I um, mean, how do you feel? Ah, uh, that's a tricky one. Um, I never call myself a pitmaster, even with the show. They're like, said I was like, nope. Uh, it literally took pops coming over to tell me, like, no, 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 you, you earned it. So I believe it's one of those things. Uh, when you're good, you tell everybody. When you're great, everyone tells you type of thing. Um, when you've hit that mark, people will tell you. I don't think you self-impose it. Like even on my even on my, um, my business cards, it doesn't say it. Yeah. It doesn't, I, I, it just, one, it doesn't say it. It just, it just says my name and then like underneath like contact Corey. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean they, like on my business card, they tried to put chef and pit master. I'm like, no, I like, that's another, another term. I don't like chef. It's like, I didn't go to culinary school. I didn't pay my dues in the kitchen. I don't want to be called a chef. Like, I yeah. think there's, there's a, like a level of commitment that I don't know. I haven't earned. Well, I had a conversation, uh, shout out to chef Tony, the head chef over at, uh, 
A. Lene, um, in uh, Washington, and we went back and forth. And I'll, you know, I'll, I'm more accepting of that title than I am Pitmaster. And we just talked about it because with that, it's in the kitchen scene because we were in, we were in a monstrous kitchen. They have a beautiful kitchen. In that environment, it is a term of respect more so than it is, uh, oh, you've got these stripes or this fancy hat or whatever. No, it's, a, it's just a term of respect. Like, hey, I respect your craft and what you do and the skill level that you are at to be able to conduct and lead a, a kitchen because that's what it was. Like, I'm, I was there doing what I had to do, but I was also delegating and directing and you're almost a conductor um, of the kitchen and the space and the people that are answering to you to get the, the job done. So it's just a term of endearment and respect in that sense uh, of, of that world for me. That's that's when I'll take, you know, yes, chef or, you know, behind you, chef, you know, passing corner, stuff like that. Uh, so for that world in that sense, I'm more accepting of it than I would be of being called a pit master. And I remember story B was telling me, shout out to Brian Furman and uh, Mr. Dr. Howard Conyers. Um, B hates the term pitmaster, hates it, absolutely hates it, despises it, never wanted to be called it. And I believe it was a conversation with between him and Dr. Conyers where Doc you know, said, you know, guys who looked like us doing the work back in the day, no white man on the face of the planet was going to end any sentence addressing us with master. You know what I mean? So to be able to hold that title now and be called it, you know, just like them's calling your name, it, it is it's something to just hold up high and be like, oh wow, yeah, this is this is this craft, it's, and it's it's relatively new. Like pitmasters didn't exist when the craft was really forged and going on. That no. word didn't happen. Everything ended in boy, uh, house boy, cowboy. Yes, cowboys were black. Um, that's it was probably a pit boy or a fire boy before it was a pit master that just evolved and changed uh so i look at having that title it's it's a it's a big thing and i think a lot comes with that title more so than the title is the knowledge like if you're a pit master and i talk with ronnie and pops about this all the time and even you know dr conyers you're a harborist you know you know what woods need you recognize your species you're a butcher because you know how to break down your proteins. Anyone and their mama can break down a bird, but can you break down a half a cow? Can you break down a hog if you need be? Do you know where you have to cut, where your joints are? Do you have the rough knowledge of how to navigate? I think the, the people who chase it to run to be called a pit master that are so happy about it, not that you shouldn't be, they're the same ones who just get all their meat broken down and done, which there's nothing wrong with it, not knocking it really not knocking it but i think you should also understand the idea and the process of how to get to just that leg quarter that you're going to do or get can you break down the that spirit of st louis or you know and so forth can you maneuver do you have knife skills are you aware of the anatomy of some of the stuff that you're cooking like there's a lot of information that goes into it that that leads to being a pit master and i and i'll still say this just up until last year, I was still splitting and stacking and sourcing my own wood because one, I'm a lumberjack. I enjoy it. And then two, it's just the knowledge of knowing what good is good wood. How long does it season? I wanted that hands-on feel and experience and it was saving me an obscene amount of money. So that was just one more thing I 
put on my belt and I study butchering and I make sure I know how I can break down my animals. Like I did a show a couple of months back and it was over and I had all this extra meat. It was still whole. Put my gloves on, took out my knife, my little old hickory and got to work breaking it all down and vacuum sealing it and dumping it in my deep freezers. Like I haven't had to buy beef for personal consum- consumption in so long beef and pork. Haven't had to buy it in so long because I broke down like a half a cow and two whole hogs. I broke it all down. They're just vacuum sealed, ready to go whenever I need them. Long answer, but yeah. yeah. Well, okay. So you're mentioning about knowing where your protein comes from. Mm-hmm. Uh, Brian Furman, there was a video on YouTube, and I can't remember if it was Bon Appetit or somebody else. You want a peculiar farm? Or well, it was the hostess. Like he took, uh, he took her to the slaughterhouse and said, "This is where, this is where munchies was. Was, munchies. was it a munchies video? It was a munchies yeah, video and, and when they like, there. and paying respect to the animal and knowing what it went through, where it came from, how it was raised." Mm-hmm. And all of knowing all of having all of that knowledge before it even gets to where he can season it and throw it on his cooker. Yeah. And like, uh, you know, she got emotional about it and it makes perfect sense. like knowing, Hey, like there's so much that goes into this before it even gets to the person's plate that you may not even think of it. It is. And uh, I think it was, uh, it was, it was Lewis who said, um, for as many hands and time that goes into barbecue, it should be up there with all the Michelin star restaurants. Yeah, uh, Elliot Moss has Elliot said Moss. the yeah, yeah Elliot Moss. Moss has said the same thing. Um, yeah, barbecue really should be way more expensive than it, <laughs> than is. it is. It all, barbecue should be as much or more than a steakhouse. Oh, hands down. Yeah, hands down. And I think because everyone wants it to be um, uh, so easily accessible on the table like quick service meal like it's not a quick service meal no it's a very long service but it's devoured quickly well it's a it's a quick service that's a long preparation yes that's better said more eloquently put yeah because like once it's done it's super quick to get a barbecue plate out compared to cooking a hamburger it just yeah it just like when someone orders a hamburger it's going to take longer to cook a hamburger and get it to them at a restaurant than it is to say i want a slice of brisket just slice it, wear it off. Yeah, I get that. Yeah, no, that was a, that was a good one. Yeah, and everyone's agreeing. Uh, Mr. Carter is agreeing, stating, you know, barbecue equals steakhouse pricing. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Um, let's see, we had a couple of other, a lot of other questions actually. Uh, that's a how do you make a chili sauce? I'm trying to find a really. <laughs> I want. I have to ask you this one because you said you want to avoid talking bad about them. But thoughts on a pellet smoker? Getting up at 4 a.m. to cook is a pain sometimes. Look, the great thing about a pellet smoker is if Never you... thought you'd start a sentence like that. <laughs> Look, I like, here's the thing is if you, if you've done the thing of getting up at 4 a.m. and you're like, this is not for me. And you're just thinking about getting a pellet smoker uh, for that reason is like, I just want some barbecue that I can throw on. And, you know, I don't want to go out to a restaurant. I want to, you know, have a pork butt on the weekends or mm-hmm. some ribs or whatever. Perfectly fine. Makes sense. I would... Pellet smokers are the same way that I look at, like... Air fryers? No, not air fryers. I was going to say, in terms of, like, the product that you get, I've used some really cheap pellet smokers. And I've used 
at like at a friend's house and I've used some more expensive pellet smokers and I like the way the more expensive pellet smokers run is significantly better than the cheap smokers that you can just get. Okay. Um, like the big thing is like really dirty smoke and they don't, they don't handle cooking at higher temperatures better. No. Yeah. So if you're going to get a pellet smoker, save up, get one that comes from a, a respected brand, whatever your preference is. The um, respected pellet brands? I'm, trying, I'm, just I mean. trying, I'm just trying to bait them, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. Sorry. I'm trying to talk less crap about pellet smokers. <laughs> we're, trying, uh, we're trying to get the show endorsed by pellet smokers, so we're not trying to burn all the bridges, but we'll light a few on fire. Right. Um, no, I think it's the perfect way. It's like, hey, I want to do a certain style of cooking without you know the time commitment. Like yeah. someone, someone asked, how can I do an overnight brisket last week? Yeah. And there's like like Matt from Meat Church, he has that video, how to do a workday brisket on a pellet smoker. Yes. Check out uh, Matt Pittman, Meat Church, great guy. His brother just pranked him by literally buying a giant billboard <laughs> and having the boat pull it across and park in front of them on the beach with his number on there and you see just swear people come over to start talking to him. Um, Those are great pranks. <laughs> Those are good pranks. Yeah. Uh, there is there is a place for every type of cooker. There is. It's just, it's just not something I'm gonna do. It's not something you're gonna do. No, it's not gonna be right. something. Right, but gonna... but that's because there's like under normal circumstances, I should say. Right, but there's nothing wrong with a pellet smoker, and it's it. I called it the democratization of barbecue. The democratization of barbecue. Right. Okay. It it makes it it makes a something that you know was this like this barrier entry of time commitment, mm-hmm. and makes it easier for everybody. Mm-hmm. It's not the same thing. The more time and effort you put it on it, it's going to be better. But the like the point of entry is a lot is like it's an easier stepping point. I think it's not a horrible way to start because and someone asked this like, what can I learn on a pellet? And I said, you cannot learn fire management, you cannot learn temp control, and you cannot learn adjustments, but you can build a hell of a palate focusing on flavor and recipe development because you're removing four out of the five hard obstacles. You know, you don't have to worry about airflow, this or that. You just have to make sure you pay your light bill. Um, but you can develop your flavors and your recipes and slowly start to get an idea. My thing is you've got these, and I think, you know, we don't do brand names because we don't get checks, but... I think there's some models out there that have like smoke mode or intensified activated smoke mode where it just cut restricts the airflow so your pellets get really smoky to infuse your food with more smoke. But the issue with that is there isn't enough travel room for that extra smoke in that chamber. So you quickly end up getting acrid or bitter very fast. The thing about cooking on a, a reverse or straight or just wood smoker is we can do so many tricks in just that firebox alone that completely change the profile we can double stack log cabinet use wet wood greener wood do a little mixture taper off and we've got enough traveling flow to where it's not going to build up in that uh chamber as it would somewhere else but that's that's my personal take when it comes to like what you can use your pellet or electric uh, type smoker for is nail that flavor development. Well, I mean, there's, there's also, there's also other, uh, there are other solutions to do easier cooks 
Because you could get a like a, a ceramic cooker and get one of those fan controllers. Yeah, yeah. And so you could almost like so if you already have a ceramic cooker instead of going and saying, "Oh, hey, I want to buy a a pellet grill," you could get one of those fan controllers for it, and you can program in your phone like to set a certain temp. And so every time it opens up, you'll have a like a great level thermometer that will read the temperature. So when it drops, the fan will kick on and add some more air so the temperature gets up to where you need it to be and when it gets up to where it needs to be the fan will cut off so there there are like it's more of a diy project because you got to put it together yourself yeah but there are options out there where if you already have a certain type of cooker you can get you can get equipment to make it easier yeah there you can you can modify and and, uh my guys and i we're working on something that'll show you some of the best ways to modify various cookers that you have, whether it be kettle, offset, um, uh, or, well, not really pellet, because there's not, it's not much modification you can you can do there um, instinctively, but we're, we're working on some stuff, but it's definitely ways to adjust it. Hey, Naples Rat Rod, right on. St. Louis, you guys got a, you guys have a festival or something with Primo next week? Uh, they're doing like I think their big anniversary, like barbecue shebang out there. Uh, Mr. Carter says uh, barrel cookers are convenient, but you can still have uh, some fire management. Yeah, barrel, barrel cookers are. Um, I think I, I would almost rather people get a barrel cooker than go get something like a pellet because there's just so much more flavor to be had in raw wood splits and even just even if you burn out and make your own coal and things like that so much more flavor to be add that way but neither here nor there it's a, everyone's got their own thing whatever works for them good yeah i mean all right right, on, right on. you have any more news or you still want to flow through some questions no, no let's just go through questions i i had my two pieces of news yeah, like it's, it's honestly hard to find to find more than two, usually. Oh, I, I usually have a whole stream, but I think people enjoy the um, uh, the back and forth a little bit more. So that's why I kind of ride with that. Um, this one's a, a, a pretty good one. Uh, two of them, actually. What's the best way to prepare steaks that are going on the grill? Brine, dry rub, how long? Okay, so what you want to do with the steak, this is the easy one is if you have a baking sheet and a uh, and one of those baking racks. Yeah, yeah. So salt the steak, throw it on the baking rack inside the baking sheet, mm-hmm. throw it in the fridge, let it sit overnight. But I know that, and I understand that, but you've got gaps you have to fill. Okay, well, I'm just saying, like, so the reason that you're doing that is you're drying out the exterior, mm-hmm. uh, you're pulling moisture out of the steak, and so when you throw it on the grill, you're going to get a quicker Maillard reaction and develop a crust quicker. I was about to say, follow it up with the definition. Because <laughs> yeah, well, remember, just, you're, we, I know that we right, know Right, well, I'm, I'm just giving them a step-by-step yeah, of yeah. like, here's the, the one thing that you can do that will immediately make a better steak. Like, I don't, I don't brine, I don't brine steaks. I don't brine steaks. Well, I mean, I guess, I guess it is kind of a dry, the salt is a dry brine in theory. Um, but like not a wet brine steak, no, because the thing with a wet brine steak is you can brine the steak, then you're going to have to pat it dry. Cause if you don't pat it dry, you're not going to develop that crust when it gets yeah. on the fire. Yeah, no, that's fair. That's fair. 
So I, I like I like the salt dry brine overnight, and you're right. And I just had how you break it down because you put that other tray because it's going to sweat. It's going to release moisture. Just depending how much salt you use, how long you leave it in there, you could end up seeing it shrink down maybe 10 or 15%. Just depending, you'll see a little bit of color change in the fat just depending on the quality of the steak that you started out with. I always suggest get a nice thick steak, at least an inch, least. Inch and a half, two inches. Yeah, but now they're cutting them where they look like pork chops. I'm like, this is a steak? Shout out to Publix. <laughs> Publix will give you, like, you go to a Publix and you can get those thick get nice rib eyes. Thing, thing and a half, yeah, two I, inch thick, those beefy boys. Right. And and so say you do this trick and then you, you, like, you set it in overnight and you mm-hmm. wake up in the morning before you go to work, flip it. Because that bottom side is not going to dry out as quicker as the bo- or as the top side. Yeah. So you flip it, you'll dry it off. So it's really good to go right when you get home. No, that's that's good. I, and uh, I think that's what I'm, I'm going to title this episode. I like my steaks BBW. It's just thick, man. I, I, and when I broke down that, that cow, I made sure it was all thick. Like yeah. thick pieces I would never get at. Like the grocery store would never sell me. But I, Because for me, it, lo- it allows you to... On a very two and a half inch to three to four inch, because I've got some that are four inch for Florentines, you can toss that on straight fire, flames hitting it. Not going to do a thing, not going to burn it, Not nothing's happening. Only thing that's getting warm is that bone, and that's going to be your heat conductor. And I've got a special project that I'll be releasing that's going to help tie all of this together. Stay tuned. Um, oh, and another thing is if, if you have the time and you want to do it, if you're even going to... You could finish a steak on the grill, and you could do a, what they call a reverse sear. Oh, Brian, what's a reverse sear? I've never heard of that before. So set your oven to like 225, 250. Okay. Again, leave your steak on that baking rack with the baking sheet so it's slightly elevated. Mm-hmm. Because if it touches the pan, it's going to cook a little bit faster than it's, if it's got that air gap in there. Yeah. So what you can do is you can put it in the oven, and it's going to take anywhere between 45 minutes to an hour, hour and a half. Mm-hmm. And then you'll get what do you what do you pull like one seventeen one twenty? Uh, I do about I I I like mine to finish at one twenty four and slowly creep to one twenty six. So I'll pull at like one eighteen one twenty one twenty if it's cold outside. Right, you're, but you're more on the that's more towards the yeah the, I do rare side. I, I like mine partially moving and still throwing it back on me. That's that's how I get down my Pittsburgh steak. style. Always, man. Always, I'd go. There's only one other person that I know, and shout out to my buddy Daniel. Daniel, if you're listening, man, um, I hope that oxtail and dishes turn out. But Daniel loves blue steak, just like I do. He like we like blue Florentine steaks, and I, I love a good blue Florentine. Like, gosh, that's just that's just so good for me. But on like the regular everyday stuff, yeah, rare. Me and rare, if I've got to do it, but I get down with rare. So, I say if you're looking for more medium rare, take it out between 120 and 125 mm-hmm. and this is a key thing is like a, well, lot of people, a little earlier than that but, oh yeah well, so because like, you've got that carryover right right yeah well i mean if the oven's low enough it will be a slower carryover um and sorry guys what we mean by carryover is meat does not stop cooking the moment you pull it off of heat it actually continues to cook it's sort of the same reason that you'll see people blanch or cool off their uh, macaroni noodles in like ice cold water or rinse or cold water to stop the cooking process because if not that heat doesn't immediately uh dissipate it stays cooking and cooking so when we say carryover that's what we mean by carryover heat that yeah uh, like uh 
So, and another thing, speaking of carryover, a lot of people, they'll take the, the steak out of the reverse sear and they'll immediately put it in the pan or on the grill to mm-hmm. sear it. Don't, Don't do that. Don't do Let that. it sit for 15 to 30 minutes so that it can come down so that when you actually go to sear it, say, finish it on the grill, you're going to, you're really just getting that outer crust mm-hmm. and the temperature in the middle is going to creep up a little bit instead of continuing to carry over yeah. at a at a faster speed. Yeah. So you're more likely to hit the medium rare that you want, where if you immediately throw on the grill right out of the, the reverse sear in the oven, you're there's a good chance that you may overshoot it and it's going to be more medium. Yeah. Uh, and something to me, I just like the way rare steaks look and taste. And when seasoned right and you just do some stuff, like I had uh, a... <laughs> You know it's bad when your buddies just start showing up to your house with food like, hey, you mind cooking this for I legitimately had my buddy show up to the house with a steak a couple of weeks back. And uh, he's like, do you mind cooking us some steaks? It's like, I don't have – I got a thought. He's like, no, 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 I brought some. I was like, what? It's <laughs> like, all right, cool. And I, I, this was not how I traditionally do a steak, but I got out with some of my fancy stuff because there's a really good black Angus cut. Got some black truffle out there. Got this blue cheese powder that I've been working on and mixed it up and just knocked it out in like 15 minutes. Like that was – Tastes great. It's like, yeah, should sure. this, 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 and this in there. And um, do you ever get to those points where, not in a, not in a cocky sense, but do you ever get to those points where you forget how good you are? Like, like, and I mean, not not cocky. Like, you realize, you know, like I can go whip through some stuff fast, knock it out, won't cause a sweat, not even a second thought. I'm be doing a million other one things while I'm doing it, but. Do you ever get those moments where you have to take a step back and be like, oh, yeah, I forgot I was this good. Like, yeah, I, I am this good at this thing. Like, you know, I, I can't juggle and, you know, tight rope walk across uh, the Grand Canyon, but I can I can do this. This is my trick. Yes and no. <laughs> I, I don't know. Like, it's just not something I think about. Um, man, you need, you need friends that show up with, like, already – partially reverse seared steak so you just you just got to sear them at the end like oh i I did it no i i i I mean i you know because sometimes a lot i I put up a video earlier the the tuna steaks and tuna steak was one of the first steaks i knocked out consistently and got right because i took my knowledge from that and i applied it to cooking regular steaks because tuna steaks is finicky it is not forgiving it is very temperamental and you let that thing ride 30 to 45 seconds too long it's done You've got, you might as well just smash it all up and make yourself a tuna sandwich. That's Yeah, and, and if you're making tuna steaks, you probably bought a nice piece of tuna. So, yeah. like, at that point, you might as well just cry. Yeah, just, like, there's nothing I can do. At least if I overdo a steak, I can cube it, drop it in a crock pot, serve it over rice later, you know. That's it. Make tacos. <laughs> make tacos. <laughs> <laughs> when in doubt, when you've overdone it, make tacos. All right, let's see. I think... Uh, I think we got time for one more. One more, one more, one more. Let's see. Who do we have here? Because I answered a fair amount of these on the on the gram. I'm trying to spread them out over a couple of days. There's a lot of pellet stuff here, guys. Uh, hmm. Do beans go in chili? I don't know. If you're in Texas, no. If you're in Texas, no. Okay. Uh, so I have a friend who says that if you put tomato in chili, it's a stew. Really? Wow. Yeah. There's, there's so, like, with it. There was a guy around here that used to do barbecue. I, what, I don't know whatever happened to him. Carne something. I can't remember. 
I, I legitimately don't. Okay, I'm getting a sign. We're not. We're not. We're stopping. We're stopping. I no, no. I just don't go down that road. Yeah, I just. I just remembered. I just. He came, he popped up because of like I remember he he had said something about chilies one time when I put up a chili post and then like he had cracked a joke, tried to crack a joke on me because I put out hats or something. I was like, I don't. I don't get it. But all right, never mind. We'll just leave that. Uh, we'll leave that bridge uncrossed. Let's just say. Let's say if you if you put beans in your chili in Texas. Probably didn't make chili. Okay. I, that's that's all I'll say. All right, we'll finish up with this one. Uh, the Dark Shines asked, "Summer is a great season for barbecue. What are your favorite dishes to barbecue in the winter?" The same thing I'm barbecuing in the summer. Yeah, it's just more uh, enjoyable because I'm not sweating bullets. <laughs> right? Yeah, it's just uh, the the wood usage creeps up. Um, <laughs> Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I'm cooking the same stuff, honestly. Um, maybe I think maybe she meant for, like, personal enjoyment then. Let's go with that. Personal enjoyment meals for the winter versus, like, us doing events and orders and such. You want something heartier in the winter? So... I get, I dig that. I mean, oh, well, and there's also, also the seasonal stuff, like smoked turkeys, doing smoked hams. Uh, honestly, like, doing whole rib roasts. I like to do that more as a, a winter holiday type type dish. Sorry, I'm slow. I just realized on YouTube I can actually see what the comments are if I tap them. Okay. So I guess after this one, we should do one YouTube question. Yeah, <laughs> we may have to. But yeah, uh, yeah, like uh, like standing rib roast, like doing the whole standing rib roast on the uh, on the barbecue or like on the smoker or barbecue, like as a holiday. I've got an A5 Wagyu, two standing rib roasts that I have not yet cracked, and I'm waiting. I don't know when. Uh, maybe I'll do something special for. Well, I may actually use it as part of the special project, but one of them. But I, I'm. It's, those are one of those where I'm getting fancy with that one. I mean, the truffle oil's coming out. The truffles are coming out. The the expensive salt blocks are coming out. All the tricks are coming out for that one because it's such a beautiful cut of meat like the best steak i ever made was a cowboy uh wagyu ribeye and i cooked it all on a on my salt block it's like butter i didn't and i didn't season it at all just strictly the salt block and it was so good so good Uh, i need to do that i need to do that one again that was over a year ago i really should do that one (laughs) So, I mean, is there any particular protein or dish that you like to cook only during winter time on the barbecue? For me, I like making my stews and like uh, now I've gotten in the habit of just making oxtail whenever I want to make oxtail. But I used to make it only in the winter. Um, I make like my stew peas, my Jamaican stew peas in the winter. That's my favorite, you know, with some spinners and dumpling. You know this because you've helped uh, assist me with it last year and the year before, I believe. Um my pitmaster Santa, my uh, brisket gumbo is a dish I lit- I literally only make once a year, because it takes me three days to make the thing, um, and it's, and I and then I give it away for free. Right. So that's but, but for a good cause. Yeah, it is for a good cause, and I'll always do it. I'll always do it. My goal is to hopefully one day have you know many pitmaster Santas around the U.S. going on at the same time. We'll see how it happens this year. I've got some stuff going, but that's definitely my my winter dish more than anything is the brisket gumbo 
Was, people people like it. They line up. It's and it goes every year. We make more and more. We receive more and more toy donations. We help more and more families. And every year, it's just like it's just not enough that we make. So I don't know how it's going to get go down this year. I'm very excited to see what happens. But yeah, that's definitely my winner dish. Yeah, I mean, I, I think taking any smoked, like getting like a chuck roast and smoking it, and then finishing in a stew. Like where you can, you know, impart kind of like the barbecue flavor into a much heartier dish. A winter dish is a good way to uh, utilize your barbecue over the winter, no, like over the colder months. No, I, I completely agree. Um, okay, well, that's... Did, did we have one YouTube? Have, yeah. yeah. Just in case. We don't want to... You, you do want to stream on YouTube again, right? Okay. <laughs> so we like... Okay, so here's one. There's two. Uh, how's your show? I, I did answer that one. And this one asks, I so appreciate that. What goals have you accomplished and planned since you've been on Netflix? Huh. That's not. That's an easy one for me. <laughs> well, you go ahead and answer first. Uh, I, nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Fair. Um, what goals have I accomplished? I've gotten better. You know, I, I try to get better every time I start a fire. I want to get better. I've gotten to cook with a lot of my barbecue idols. Um, I've been able to give back as much, if not more, that I was given. Um, you know, uh, I do a, a lot of philanthropy. Majority of it, we don't broadcast. We just do it and keep it moving. So that's been really good to be able to do to be in a position where you can just see something going on I'm like all right cool let's let's take care of them let's get that fixed and sorted out um things yet to accomplish eventually i want to have you know four walls and we want to have a brick and mortar you know, not in a rush right now just because the economy is a nightmare and commercial real estate is a hasn't nope. adjusted at all yeah it will just take all my monies and my twos and fews um but uh, additional goals, they're in the works to being accomplished. The other stuff is in the works, yeah. Do you, do you feel that you're able to cook the food you want to cook more now that you've done the Netflix thing? Yeah, because I even cooked what I wanted on the Netflix thing. <laughs> right, well, I'm saying, but like before, like when you would do pop-ups, you yeah. kind of... You would... Yeah, I, I stuck to a certain thing, and now I'm interjecting a lot more because I was always concerned at the masses not appreciating it. You know, like, you tell people you want to have oxtail, they're like, what? Look at you funny, you know? Now it's one of those, the pre-orders for the oxtail last time sold out in, like, three or four minutes after announcing that we still made a fair amount for the actual pop-up. So getting more chances to include native Dishes from my culture and my upbringing has been very refreshing. Um, I, I love doing that. I'm slowly swapping things out to like, hey, this is what I had. And, you know, letting people become more aware of it. We don't just do barbecue chicken anymore. It's, you know, jerk chicken. Uh, it's no longer just pulled pork. It's chopped jerk pork. We do the oxtail. So the menu's slowly switching out different components and parts to it. I still want to do certain things like I want to do a private dinner where I can just go go wild. Like I can just have fun 
with him like, hey, it's like 150 a ticket, but you are going to be wheeled out of here <laughs> because it's so much food. Different things that I just enjoy cooking for myself. Like I want to, you know, do uh, curried lemon lamb live over the fire and like your serving is literally just I'm shaving it off right there and handing it to you those type of things like I want to have more experiential type cooks and settings but it's hard to do that with the crowds that I bring so I know it has to be a very small intimate setting so that's something on my list I'd like to do um, I've consulted on numerous shows since my show um, you know like I said this mug is made for radio and podcasts hence this podcast. So I, I dig being behind the cameras and showing things and ways to accomplish different things. So that's also been something that was on my list to do and have been doing very well with. Yeah. Appreciate that question. That was a good question. It's a great question. Mm. All right, let's round it out here. I suppose uh, you, sir, have a pop-up uh, Saturday. Yeah. It depends on when this goes live. Yeah, August, man. August 6th, Pontoon Brewing, one to five. Or until sold out. Don't the, forget the that keywords. Until sold out, which never, never lasts till five. I, I'm not going to lie. Even with the both of us, you're going to get a solid two and a half hours tops. Yeah. Of, you better. So just get there. So if this is at one, get there at about 12. You know, nothing with being there early. Get you a beer, cop a squat, put your order in, and you're good. You put oh, two oh, orders we, we, we don't start taking orders till one. We, we don't. We, 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 we wait. We wait until we're ready to go before we start taking orders. But yeah, if uh, so, if this depending on when this gets posted, yeah. August si- August sixth. Yes, August sixth. I'll I'll, I'll, uh, I'll Edward Scissors hands it yeah. tonight and, and then tomorrow, uh, tomorrow. And then if not, August twentieth, I'm at round trip with some friends, soup belly dumplings mm-hmm. and Mila's macaroons. Right we're gonna kind of doing a mini food fest over there at Round Trip Brewing. And then you. Richard and Brian, Brian Keenan have one September. Yeah, September 17th. We're doing pontoons calling it a luau. We're calling it hog fest. Yeah. Brian Keenan's going to cook a whole hog. I'm going to do some specialty sausage links. And Richard's going to make, of Keebler's Kitchen, is going to make some ribs. Shout and out to Richard. Dana's going to make some of her famous desserts. Pineapple it's just upside be, down cupcakes. Yeah. yeah. It's just going to be uh, like a good little uh, mini uh, mini festival in the middle of September. No, I dig it. Uh, I wonder how big of a hog is Keenan doing? So I don't know yet, uh, like the exact weight. Because he's going to do a pop-up, at least 100. Right, yeah. I hope at least 100. I, I know that our serving hours, we're aiming for more like 12 to 6, 1 to 6. So kind of longer than I, we yeah, normally run a pop-up. Yeah. So, and that's um, the thing. Not, there's whole hog Pulled whole hog food goes so fast, and and so fast. Yeah, Brian doesn't even do, he doesn't do the Carolina thing where he pulls it and chops it and serves it that way. No, he's literally pulled. pulling it and like prepping it per order. Mm-hmm. Like he'll he'll make a like a small little batch that may do, you know, five to ten orders, and then he's pulling a fresh batch. Mm-hmm. To That's do the it. best way. I had someone ask me because they were doing a. Uh, and I'll we'll wrap up after this. They were doing an event, a graduation or something, and they were going to do like four 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 or five shoulders, this or that. And they're like, oh, "I'm gonna reheat it with sous vide." I'm like, "No, just leave it whole. Don't pull it until you're about to serve. Let it cool, chill it, reheat it whole. I promise you, it'll stay juicier." But you know, what do I know? You know, I've only 
You've only been doing this for a little bit. Just a little bit, you know, God knows how many hogs. Nowhere near as uh, many hogs as Rodney or anything, but I was just like, I'm just trying to, just trying to pass along an information. And I do want to give a special shout-out to my buddy Ken. Ken is going to be, if I'm not mistaken, he should be rolling his hog today. He's doing a nice little test cook on a hog for uh, uh, before he does this big Labor Day event. I think he got himself a 60-pound hog, and he's doing one uh, in the yard um so ken i hope it turns out amazing brother hopefully i can make it down there for the big labor day one and we can make something happen and you got any events coming up none that are public (laughs) none that are public (laughs) none that are public that's the thing like i still do this right um but like it's 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 either hush hush it's either private or it's in front of a camera and you know got to see that stuff later um but what do do i i don't think i have there will be, I had my last solo event, but there there's, there's likely will be some stuff that may be happening in uh, September, October here in Atlanta, which I, we talked about off camera, where I'll be there cooking again, just not by myself. And we're going to share that stuff when it becomes available. Um, but as far as pop-up stuff, public, I believe, not, not in Atlanta, the next one is going to be in L. Los Angeles in September, New York, I believe twice in October, um, Palm Beach in December, um, and there's a couple in November, and I think I'm back in New York in December. The perfect weather and time to cook in New York. I actually love it. I love it. I'd much rather roll smoke in the cold than, you know, 90 degree weather. This is true. My rigs run better anyway. So, but yeah, that's enough of that. Uh, where can the amazing listeners find you, buddy? Uh, at Secret Pint BBQ on Instagram, secretpintbarbecue.com. Yeah. I'm just doing my thing. And uh, thing you can see, well. you can see whatever recipe I'm working on, whatever specialty link uh, I have going. So, because you've got a really special one before we go, I wanted you to tell them about it. Uh, the one that you're serving up Saturday. Oh, the bacon, egg, and cheese. Well, you've got the bacon, egg, and cheese, but you've got another one. Oh, too. yeah, the linguisi cala, ling, yeah, linguisa calabrese. Yeah. Uh, so I, I, I did a, an attempt at a spicy linguisa uh, with a Portuguese red wine. So that one came out pretty good. Yeah, I'm uh, not too, not, not too unpleased with it, but I, I think it could be better. Could use a little more heat, yeah. but, but. Uh, but don't worry, we've got a sausage we're working on that's got plenty of heat for. It's gonna destroy you guys but it's definitely worth it um guys as always i just want to say thank you so much to you guys on the old instagrammies uh to you guys on the old youtubes for tuning in for watching i appreciate it if you want to catch the replay of this you can catch it on youtube just hit uh rasheed phillips in the old youtube search bar and it'll pop up and this has been another episode of this week in barbecue which is the barbecue focused podcast that brings you both the good the bad the ugly and everything between in the world of barbecue I'm your host, Rashid Phillips. Please like, share, subscribe, tell two friends to tell two friends, and follow us on all social media platforms at This Week in Barbecue. Until next week, guys, take care, and remember, be good to one another.